And I'd like to invite you now to take your Bibles. Hopefully you've got a Bible there with you. If you do, uh, I want to invite you to take your Bible and open it to Psalm 122 uh, this morning. And I'm not going to share with you um, a, a sermon like I normally would exactly, uh, but I would like to, to look at the psalm with you and, uh, and, and, and just, discuss, uh, just to kind of consider it together and maybe share with you a few thoughts uh, from this psalm, as well as uh, hopefully some, some helpful application that I think will help us to see how this psalm really can speak to us. And actually, uh, again, in the providence of God, I think that Psalm 122 really brings something to us at this time that we might not appreciate at another time. Um, but because of what we're going through right now uh, in our nation and as a church, um, I think that this uh, this psalm maybe actually can kind of speak to us in a special way, uh, more directly than other times, and really kind of be an encouragement to us. So let's uh, let's look there at Psalm 122, and, and I'm going to read it here, so you can just follow along with me, or you can read it aloud with me if you want. Uh, that would be great. <clears throat> and, uh, and, then, uh, and then I want to ask prayer, I want to pray and ask the Lord's help as we study His Word, and I want to be able to be an encouragement to you. So let's read Psalm 122 together uh, as, as we uh, begin that this morning. It begins with the heading, A Song of Ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am thankful for your word today. I'm thankful for the fact that even though we are separated from one another, we have your word, which brings us together. Because we read it together, we meditate on it, and we, we have the similar experience of the truth of your word being brought to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit who takes this word and he, he brings it to life for us. Oh, I'm so thankful for, the, for, for it. And I'm thankful that we can take even just a few minutes today to, uh, to, to study it and meditate on it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. I want to be able to communicate helpful truths from your word this morning. Lord, I want to be able to, uh, to speak from my heart, but not in any way to override or distract or take away from this truth. Lord, most of all, I want to speak your word faithfully and to your people that they would be encouraged and, and uplifted by it. And so I pray that you would use me. Lord, give me uh, wisdom and, and strength that I don't have to be able to share this truth with your people. And then work in our hearts. Take this word and drive it into our hearts. Lord, apply it to each one of us. Your spirit knows what our needs are today, and I pray that you would meet those needs by your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this psalm is really interesting. Uh, as we read through it, you may, you may read it and think, okay, um, <clears throat> What's the psalm talking about? It's talking about going to Jerusalem. It's talking about uh, going to the house of the Lord. And maybe you think, well, we can't even go to the church today. We can't even gather together. So how does that work? Um, well, I think that's actually one of the ways that we maybe misunderstand this psalm. Uh, we might read it 
in verse 1 where he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we might think, well, going to the house of the Lord is like going to church. And this song is about going to church. Well, I don't really think that's exactly what the psalmist is talking about. Part of it is uh, that when we think of going to church every week, um, it, it's, it's something that is a, a part of our regular routine. It's, it, it almost, and sometimes, unfortunately, can become routine. It can become something we just do. We go to church. We just go through the motions of it. Uh, but for the psalmist and for the people of Israel, going to Jerusalem and going to the house of the Lord was, was not a weekly occurrence for most people. In fact, uh, for a, a large part of the people of Israel, going to Jerusalem and going to the tabernacle or the temple later in Jerusalem was a special occasion. It was something they maybe only did once, maybe twice, at the most three times a year. Most of them couldn't go there more often than that. Um, you know, it, it, it was a journey. It was a, it was a lengthy journey. It was difficult. And they had work to do. They had responsibilities, someone to take care of the farm and the animals and the things at home. They, they couldn't just leave those things for weeks to travel to Jerusalem and then travel home. And, and, and so uh, it, it was not practical for them to be in Jerusalem and gather together with the people of Israel on a regular basis. It just wasn't. So it was a very special occasion. And I think we get a little bit of a sense of that. Notice how the psalmist begins. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That word glad, I don't think conveys the idea here fully. We, we hear glad and we think, I'm happy. I have a good feeling. I'm kind of warm and fuzzy inside. But really, I don't think that's what the psalmist is saying. In fact, the word glad here really means to rejoice. It's, it, it conveys a sense of excitement and anticipation uh, that they would experience. And he, moreover, look at what he says. He says, I was glad when they said to me, when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so the psalmist here, David, by, by the title, um, apparently someone has approached him. Some people have come to him and have said, hey, it's time for us to go up to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. It's time for us to go to worship. It's time for us to go and to celebrate the feast together with the people as they're gathered together. And so if you want to kind of put, put ourselves in this, we almost have to think about it like it was a national festival. Okay, everybody from the nation would gather together, uh, especially in the harvest time, after they had harvested all the fields and brought in the grain. Um, then they would go up to Jerusalem and people from all over would come and, and, and the city would be filled with people coming and gathering together. It was like a national holiday or like a family reunion with all of the people from all across Israel gathered together there. And they would see each other, people they hadn't seen for maybe a whole year. And they, they kind of reconnect. And you could imagine them, them talking and discussing what's going on and what God has done over the last year. And, and uh, again, this is why I don't think it really compares very well to our going to church. Because we do that every Sunday, or at least when we can. And, uh, and we do that all the time. It becomes routine. But this was not routine at all. This was a, a major celebration, a major event. And he says, he says he was invited to go. And so you could kind of picture the community here of the, is, is coming together. And they invite David to join them in going up to Jerusalem. And he speaks here about the anticipation of that, the excitement and the joy as they would make this journey to Jerusalem. And uh, in verse 2, it says, our feet have been standing within your gates. And so um, this psalm kind of begins with um, that 
the invitation to come to Jerusalem, and then right away they're in Jerusalem. So it really doesn't focus so much on the journey, but the focus of this psalm really is much more on the city of Jerusalem. And you notice that. All three of the stanzas of this psalm refer to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Verses 1 and 2 is a stanza, and it speaks about their feet standing within the gates of Jerusalem. Verse 3 through 5 is the second stanza, and verse 3 speaks about the city of Jerusalem by name. And then verses 6 through 9 also names the city of Jerusalem. And so it's not surprising here that the city of Jerusalem is the focus of this psalm. It's all about Jerusalem. It's all about where they have gathered, this place that they have come to. And again, this may seem kind of strange to us because we don't have one particular place we gather. And, and, and we might be tempted to try to kind of draw the comparison. Well, this is getting together in the church. And, and I, I just don't think that really fits here with what the psalmist is talking about. Okay, first of all, we want our attention drawn to the city of Jerusalem. And he does that really effectively. In verses 1 and 2, he speaks about this anticipation of coming. But then the feet, he says in verse 2, our feet have been standing within your gates. And so here we have a picture now of the, the pilgrims from all across the land have come and now they're in Jerusalem. They're in the gate. They're, they're experiencing all of the buzz of the excitement of all the thousands of people that have gathered together. It's a crowded city. And there's, there's, there's talk and there's excitement and there's all of this happening and the preparations are being made for this great worship uh, festival that's going to happen, this great feast and this, this great time of rejoicing. And then in verses 3 through 5, the psalmist kind of turns our attention to the city itself. And we kind of are, are maybe invited to ask the question, why does Jerusalem matter? You know, why is this city important? Well, notice verse 3. The focus initially is on the way the city is built. He says it's, it, Jerusalem is built as a city that has come packed together. And, and that's kind of a strange thing to say, a city that's compact together. What does he mean by that? Well, I, I think that what he's really just saying here is that it's, it's a city that's built like a city. It's, it's well built. It's well put together. It's secure. It has the structure and security for all these people to come together and gather there. It's a place where they are able to all gather and assemble. And that, okay, that kind of is not all that important to us. It doesn't seem that important. But then verse 4 really kind of gets to the point where of what's really significant, why Jerusalem is so important. Verse 4, this is the place where the tribes go up. What tribes would those be? Well, the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. The, the 12 sons of Jacob, each of whom had a tribe as their descendants. And so he speaks here of the tribes going up. The tribes of the Lord, or the tribes of Yah. That's the word there in, in, in the Hebrew. The name of Yahweh, which is kind of shortened there. The tribes of Yahweh. And, and it's an interesting expression. The tribes of the Lord. This is the only place in the entire Bible where the children of Israel are referred to as the tribes of Yahweh, the tribes of the Lord. They're normally referred to as the tribes of Israel. Um, But here is the only place. Why is that important? Well, I think it's important because the tribes of the Lord are those tribes that belong to him. They're his people. What the psalmist is saying is that this time of gathering, this time where uh, of celebration and feasting is a festival for the people of God. Now, he's not saying <clears throat> that 
no one else is welcome because certainly there were often other peoples that would join in these festivals in Jerusalem and would gather together with the Israelite people. But the focus here is on the fact that these people belong to the Lord. They are His. They belong to Him. They have been joined to Him by virtue of the covenant that God has made with them. And this is really important because, again, um, we have this understanding, we, have this, that we need to understand here that this psalm is written kind of primarily from the perspective and for those people who belong to God. These aren't just kind of any you know, citizens of the nation of Israel. These are people that belong to the Lord, people that are a part of his covenant, people that have trusted him by faith, people that are committed to him, to obey him. And notice it goes on because it says that the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, the tribes of Yahweh. And what do they go up for? It says, to the testimony of Israel. I think that that phrase there is refers here to their covenant. It's the witness or the testimony of the covenant that God has made. That's the purpose of their going up. They're going up because God has commanded them to do this. And because they believe what he has said. Because they believe his word, they are going up to Jerusalem. And so they've come together. They've come together in obedience to the word of God. But notice the last part of verse 4. This also gives us another explanation of the purpose for their coming together. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. To give thanks to the name of Yahweh. What does that mean? Well, again... The people are gathered together. This is a great festival where all the people have come and gathered together in celebration of what God has done for them. They are giving thanks to him. They are celebrating his faithfulness. They're celebrating his character. They're celebrating his holiness. They're celebrating his goodness and his love. I think we need to remember that at times like this, when, again, when we are faced with the trial of a national crisis, a health crisis, when there's all of the the economic challenges that are going along with it, all of the uncertainty, all of the fear, all of this, this social distancing that's keeping people apart and making it difficult for us to have the kind of normal kind of intimacy we would have with other people and the relationships we would have. <clears throat> you say, well, how can we give thanks to the name of the Lord at this time? <laughs> well, we give thanks to him for all that he's done for us that's good. We give thanks for his provision. We give thanks for his supply. We give thanks for his presence and his care and his ongoing protection. That's what the Israelites were doing. That's why they would gather together, to celebrate all that he had done in the last year. To go back since the last time they were together and think about all that he had done for them and give their thanks to him. Now, the primary way that the children of Israel would do this is by bringing tithes. When they brought their tithes with them on this journey to Jerusalem, they were coming to give thanks to the Lord. And so their giving, their tithes, their offerings were, were a, 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 a thanksgiving. It was a way of saying to the Lord, we are grateful for how you provided for us. And that's what they're doing. And the psalmist says, this is what Jerusalem, this is why Jerusalem is important. Because it's the location, it's the one place where all these people gather together to give thanks to the Lord and to praise him. But in verse 5, he gives another reason why Jerusalem is important. For thrones are set there for judgment. The thrones of the house of David. Now, this is important too. And I don't want to belabor this point um, and take much time here, but it's important to understand Jerusalem became the center of the government 
under David when he became king. He captured the city and he made it the center of his government. And then David not only made it the center of his government, that's what these thrones are for, the thrones of judgment, but he also brought the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And so he made it the focus of both the religious and the civil in Israel. And so all of the attention is there on Jerusalem. And so the psalmist says, this is why Jerusalem is so important. It's a city that is designed for this. It's designed to be the place where all of Israel can come and gather together, where all of God's people, all of those who love him, all of those who trust him, all of those to to whom he has uh, been good are going to come and give thanks to him. And they're going to worship him there. Let me come to the last stanza, verses 6 through 9, and the psalmist kind of gives some instruction here. He turns to his, probably his fellow pilgrims, and he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then he gives a little sample prayer, if you will. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. He specifically kind of focuses on the people who live inside the city of Jerusalem. May there be blessing on them. May they be uh, prosperous. And the idea here isn't so much material prosperity as the idea really is, is, is security. It's tranquility. May they be at peace. May they have rest. May they have enough. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now it's interesting because, again, I said that we look at a psalm like this and we might struggle with how to apply this. We might look at this psalm and we might think, well, this psalm is really about getting together in, in the church. Well, it's not. It's about the, the people of Israel gathering in Jerusalem to worship and give thanks to the Lord. And we might think, well, when he says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, he's talking about Jerusalem. We should pray for Jerusalem. So we should pray today for the city of Jerusalem that's over in the, the, uh, the, the democratic state of Israel. And we should pray for the peace of that city and pray for the, the blessing of the Israelite people that are there. And, and that's good. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for those things. But again, I don't think that that's really what's in view here. Not, not today. I mean, we have to realize there has not been a temple in Jerusalem for nearly 2,000 years. There hasn't been a throne of David in Jerusalem for 2,500 years. And so in what sense is the Jerusalem of of today, in what sense could that city be the one that the psalmist is describing here? Obviously, it's the same geographical city, but I don't think that's really the point here. The issue isn't so much the geography. The issue is the fact that this is the place where God's people gather together to praise his name. And so when the psalmist says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, he's talking here about this place. Pray for the the peace and the tranquility of the place to which God's people will come and worship. In verses 8 and 9, he kind of explains why this is so important. Verse 8, for the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. In verse 9, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You see, again, the whole reason that this matters, the whole reason Jerusalem matters to the psalmist is that it's the place of the house of God. It's the place where the people of God will gather together to worship the Lord. That's why it's important. That's why it matters to him. That's why he he wants us to pray for the peace of this place because the people of God are going to gather there and the Lord is going to be worshipped there. So we should pray for it. Pray that it would be uh, secure. Pray that it would be blessed. Pray that God would protect it and that he would watch over it. Pray for its peace. Now, 
we think about this psalm and think about how does this psalm really apply to us. And I, and I would suggest to you a couple of different aspects here that we might consider, a couple of different things that we might think of as way of application here. How should we uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem? I mean, that's the instruction. So how should we do that? What is he talking about? Well, um, let's remember a couple things. First of all, the city of Jerusalem today is not the focal point where God's people gather together to worship the Lord. It's just not. In fact, most of the people who live in Jerusalem today, I, I would say, this is, I don't have, I'm not expertise here, but most of the people who live in Jerusalem today, I would say probably don't even know the Lord. They don't worship the Lord. Most of them are unbelievers. And so because of that, they're not gathering together to give thanks to Yahweh. It's not that place. However, and this is one very important thing for us to know from Scripture, the Bible tells us very clearly in both Old and New Testaments that though Jerusalem is now not the place where God's people will gather together for worship, the Scriptures tell us that it will be. I want you to take your Bible and look with me at a couple of different verses that, that, that show this. There's a lot of places we could look. Um, I'm not going to take time to look at, through all of them. I just want to point out two of them. The first is Isaiah chapter 2. And in Isaiah chapter 2, we have a prophecy about the future of Jerusalem. <clears throat> and in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, here's what the prophet writes. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. Notice many people are coming to the house of the Lord. Why? He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, that's Jerusalem, so this is the location, out of Zion shall go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Think about that. There is coming a day, and Isaiah promises it, predicts it, that in the latter days there is going to come a day where Jerusalem becomes the central focus, not just of Israel, not just of the people of the nation of Israel and the tribes, but of all of the nations. And he says, all the nations are going to flow to it. And the people are going to come there to worship the Lord. To follow the ways of God. What a tremendous promise. That there is still a day in the future where Jerusalem is going to be the focal point. Now, turn with me then to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 21, all the way at the very end of the Bible. And there, the Apostle John sees a vision of a, of a city he calls the New Jerusalem. And what's really interesting about the New Jerusalem is he speaks here about the fact. The end, toward the end of the chapter, in verse 22, he says, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb Arts Temple. The city had no need of sun or of moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Now listen to this in verse 24. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. John says that there is coming a day when this new Jerusalem is going to be the focal point of the entire world, and people are going to stream to it. Why? Why? 
to bring their glory and their honor into it. Why? To worship the Lord. People are going to come there and they're going to enter into it there to worship the Lord and give glory to him and honor to him. Exactly what Psalm 122 anticipates. See, when the children of Israel were going up to Jerusalem and they were, and they were singing Psalm 122 and celebrating Jerusalem and celebrating this, this, and praying for the peace, what were they doing? Well, in some small way, they were anticipating the future day when there would be true and lasting peace in Jerusalem. So we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But by that, what we're doing is we're praying that God would bring this to pass, all that he has promised. Jesus taught us to pray this in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke, I believe it's chapter 11. We often call the Lord's Prayer. When he says, pray that uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ought to pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth. We ought to pray that Jerusalem would be once again, the home of faith where the Lord himself would come and be there and the nations would stream to it. And not just the nations, but the, but the, the Israelites themselves, the Jewish people themselves would welcome the Prince of Peace who will come and bring peace to their city and to their nation and to the world. And so I think in one sense, when we are tasked here to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we ought to pray for the coming of Christ, who will bring peace. We ought to pray for the fulfillment of all that Scripture says will happen so that Jerusalem will become the city of peace. And I think that's part of the the emphasis here. But that's looking to the future. That's looking ahead to what God has. What about today? Is there any application to us today? I mean, I've already said that I don't think that, that Psalm 122 is talking about when we gather together as a church. And yet, isn't it true that in some way, Wherever God's people are gathered together, uh, there is a desire for peace. In fact, you could say, you could look at it this way. The New Testament calls the church the house of God. It even calls us the temple of God. And so when we do gather together, should we not seek peace? Uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy in, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that prayer should be made for all men, uh, especially, he says, for kings and those who are in authority. And, and he explains the purpose for that. He says that we may live in peace and seek to obey the Lord and seek to be holy. And so in seeking peace, we seek the peace of the city in which we dwell, if you want to look at it that way. That we may seek the, the peace of the city in which we gather to worship. Right now, that we could pray for the peace of our city, that we could gather. And, and this is why I think this psalm maybe especially really kind of speaks to us in the circumstances that we're in right now. Because, think about it, we can't gather together. Not because we're under persecution necessarily, but because of the, the, the government mandates and because of the, the, uh, the importance of us trying to care for one another by keeping our distance and not uh, having large gatherings. Uh, not that our church is a large gathering, you understand. But, uh, but regardless... Uh, you know, we want to try to be sensitive to that. And so we can't gather together. But all that should do is, should, is it really should heighten our anticipation of the time when we can gather. If it's weeks or months in which we can't gather together because of this, uh, this uh, disease, this virus, 
All that ought to do is it ought to give us a greater hunger and a greater enthusiasm for when it is time. And we can say, hey, it's time. Let us go up to the house of the Lord. Let us go to the church, this gathered people, and let us gather together in his presence to give thanks to him. And so it's appropriate for us to pray for the peace of the city in which we dwell. Pray for its security and safety. Pray that we can once again gather together not because we're facing persecution, but because of the other circumstances that we're in. And then we think about this and realize that all across the world today, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are prevented from meeting together. Some, most right now, because of the the COVID crisis that we're facing. But some, because of the countries they live in, they're not free to gather. They haven't been free to gather for a long time. Shouldn't we pray for the peace of their city, that they could gather together to worship the Lord? that they could come together as the people of God, as the house of God, as the temple of God, and give thanks to the Lord. And even as we do that, we are also anticipating the greater gathering when all of God's people are going to be gathered together with Him to worship and give thanks to Him. And so I think there's a great deal uh, of good for us here in Psalm 122 to think about, to meditate on, a great deal to encourage us. But let me just say this as as I close, and just want you to think about this again. As I said, this psalm is really written from the perspective and for those who would call themselves the tribes of Yahweh, the people who belong to the Lord. Do you belong to the Lord? Do you, are you a part of the house of God, the, the temple of God, this gathered people, we call it the church, Do you belong, not because you've become a member and put your name on the roll, not because uh, you you attend regularly or you give some money, not even because you've been baptized or, or anything like that, but because you've trusted in Jesus Christ and you've been born again. And then by obedience to him, you have joined to a body of believers. That is so important, so crucial. And I would encourage you that all of the message of this psalm really speaks to those who already belong to Christ and to his church. But if you don't, if you've never trusted in Christ, then let me plead with you today is the day for you to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. He died for you. He rose again from the dead that you might have life. There's a great deal of uncertainty right now. Sickness and disease is everywhere. And the threat is constant, but it's heightened at this point in time. None of us are guaranteed that we're going to live through the the day, the week, the month, or this year. Are you prepared for eternity? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior so that whatever happens, you are at peace, you can trust in Him? If not, I hope that today you will pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, that you'll trust in Him He is your only hope of salvation. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing one more song together as we finish our time. Father, I'm so thankful for the church that you have called out of the world, the assembly. We can't gather together right now, but uh, Lord, you have nevertheless called us to be your people. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the identity that we have in Christ, the oneness that we share. Lord, I pray that as we read and meditate on Psalm 122, that we would get a sense of excitement 
a sense of rejoicing when it is the time once again for us to gather together. Help us to understand that. Help us to appreciate that. And I pray, Lord, not only that, but help us to anticipate the future, the great day of gathering that's going to come. Look forward to that day when when Christ rules and reigns in Jerusalem and there is peace, true peace, lasting peace. And oh, I pray that your kingdom would come, that Christ would return and establish his kingdom on the earth. I pray that you'd help us to be ready. But help us also to seek the good of the city that we're in now. Seek the good of your people that we could gather together and that this time right now, this crisis would pass. Help us to pray for that. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who are responsible for these things, that we could see an end quickly and be able to uh, come together again. And Lord, we pray for the peace of our own city. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts today encouragement. Help us to remember that peace is found in you and you alone. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.